at Peter, and I love Peter. I have been loving looking at the book of Peter. I've never preached on Peter specifically before, often from various verses in Peter's three books, but never specifically gone sequentially through Peter. And I'm, I'm just loving it. So we are on part E, or the fifth part of this series, and we're doing verse 8 today. The, today it's one ver verse. Last week was two verses. The previous week was one verse. And this, I've given kind of a summary of what is in this verse, but we'll unpack it. Uh, so Peter's writing about a love for and belief in the unseen Christ resulting in inexpressible joy. That's what this verse is about, but we're going to unpack it, we're going to look at it. But every week I felt, let's just look a little bit at Peter, because he's the guy who's writing it. And, and I, I love just being reminded of who this dude is that's actually writing this letter. And so here's some important mentions of Peter on the next slide. And I'm just going to whiz through this, um, and we're not going to dig into it, uh, because I just want us to remember these Peter stories. I mean, each one of them is worthy of a sermon in itself. So let's go through them. Uh, I'm going to read fast, and they'll appear on the slide. So go. Peter put his nets out again at the direction of Jesus to bring in a massive catch of fish in Luke 5. Peter walked on the water with Jesus. Remember, he actually did walk, okay? He had an oopsie at the end, but he, he did it. Peter saw Jesus transfigured in glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. I mean, just that encounter must be absolutely life-changing. Peter asked Jesus how many times we should forgive. Remember, he thought he was being very spiritual. He said, seven times, Lord, aren't I spiritual? Jesus said, seven times, 70. Peter insisted that Jesus would not wash his feet. Then commanded Jesus to wash his whole body as well. Oh, Pete, he is like just all or nothing. Peter cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus. I mean, in that moment. And then, of course, Jesus just healed the guy's ear. I mean, isn't that amazing? You pick up a ear and just glue it back on. Oh, I want to see that video. Um, Peter denied Jesus three times, cursing and swearing that he did not even know the man. The man, because he didn't even refer to him by name. Refusing to even name the name of Jesus in that moment. Wow, that is a moment of weakness. Peter was the one who ran with John to the tomb on the morning of the resurrection after hearing that the body of Jesus was not in the tomb. And finally, Peter received a public restoration of Jesus in front of the other disciples after the resurrection of Jesus. Remember where Jesus did the fish fry and he said, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep three times, restoring G uh, Peter after the three times he denied him. Just a recap of Peter. Remember, Peter walked in flesh and blood with Jesus for three years. This letter he's writing 30 years later to five or six churches in northern Turkey. So Peter has not laid eyes on Jesus in the flesh for 30 years. And let's look at what he's writing. So here we go, 1 Peter 1 verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. So I've highlighted just firstly those three words, you love him. I've read this verse so many times in this week and just trusting the Spirit of God to lead me 
where and what he wants to emphasize to us this morning. And those three words are the three words that have jumped out at me. You love him. You love him. And it's amazing. I, I feel it's one of the greatest compliments that you could, that you could pay a Christian is when, when, the, when somebody says, you love him. You know why I say that? Because in the book of Revelation, the, 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 the Spirit of God speaks to that church and says, you guys are amazing, you've done so much, you're phenomenal. But one thing you have forsaken, your first love. And, and folks, first love, it is, it's like, this is, this is the basics. This is the, the most, the, 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 the simplest you can reduce the Christian life down to is you love him. That's what Jesus replied to the Pharisees when they said, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what we say as a local church. We're passionate about him and people. Folks, if we lose our passion for Jesus, folks, everything else becomes meaningless. Life becomes meaningless. Your job, your family, everything becomes meaningless. Folks, but if we keep that inner core, that fire gang of we love him, everything else has meaning. And we have life for everything else. So these words, you love him, I was just like, wow, Lord, there's so much in this. And so I wanted to unpack this a little bit. You know, folks, when we talk about love, love is one of the intangible elements of life that are indispensable to life itself. There are so many people that get into so much trouble looking for love. Just think of romantic relationships gone pear-shaped. And, and kind of the, this, the messes people get into. Folks, if you understand that there's a deep yearning desire in the heart of men and women across this planet looking for love, and they get it all messed up. We did a relationship series, by the way, in March. If you're wondering what godly relationships, if you're wanting to know how not to smash up your life in relationships, please listen to that series. It's all online, YouTube, SoundCloud. Go to our website. But looking for love is one of the deepest needs and yearnings of every man and woman. You know, a horrendous story I heard years ago, when the, after the Iron Curtain fell in 1990, there were all these Eastern European countries who had basically been ruled by dictators for many years. And in that uh, police state where you have no freedom, there were, there were some amazing discoveries that came out. For example, Romania had these massive orphanages of literally thousands of children who were orphaned for various social reasons. I'm not going to unpack the reasons why there were so many. But these were state-run orphanages. And there were doctors there that did the most, the most mind-blowing experiments. So they had these literally, I mean, I remember seeing in the 90s when, when these countries opened, these wards full of beds of babies that had been orphaned. And now the state had collapsed and there were no resources. And many of these babies were actually adopted by people from the West who were just saw these pictures of these babies on television and just were filled with compassion and, and adopted these children. But what these doctors did was 
they try to experiment on the need that babies have for love and affection. And they took two wards, two random wards, full of children, babies. And the one ward, they carried on the normal routine of daily feeding the babies and how they would do it. The, the workers, I don't know if they were nurses, whoever looked after these kids would pick the babies out of the cot, get a bottle, feed them, but actually hold them. And in the process, the baby's getting physical affection. And they were like, do the kids really need this? Can't we just, you know, kind of mechanically stuck a, stick a bottle into the child's mouth? Child can lie on their back. Why do we need to hold the kid, you know? Let's just, you know, stick a bottle. They just need food. You know, they got a nappy so they can poop. I mean, what else does a baby need, okay? Folks, they did this, I don't know how long for. The children, the babies that didn't get any physical affection, were literally dying of no apparent reason. And the only thing the doctors could put it down to, or these scientists, if you could call them, was they were dying because they were starred of love. They didn't get any physical affection. They got the same amount of food, you know, nappies were changed, whatever, physical needs. But they were starved of physical affection and these children were dying. The doctors couldn't explain. There wasn't like a virus in this ward killing them and this. There was no difference. The only difference, they were starved of love and affection. And folks, that story has, you know, I've told it before and people have been crossing me. How can you tell that story? But folks, it just resonates. We were created for love. It's one of the most intangible things in life that is so vital. And I want to say emphatically, our God is a God of love. The Bible describes him as the God of love. There is, you, you need His love more than, I want to submit to you, the air that you're breathing. You think you need food, absolutely you need food. But knowing God's love is absolutely fundamental for you to thrive. So that's the one story. I want to say that's babies. On the other end of the spectrum, I read another uh, article where they were researching aged folks. Now, I don't know what ages. I don't know if they were 80s or 90s. But they researched two groups of aged folks. They researched one group of aged folks that lived by themselves and had no pets that they were looking after or caring for. No little fluffy dog or little kitty or little, I don't know, budgie or, I don't know, hamster or anything. Whatever pet you could think of. The other group that they studied was aged folks who had pets, a little doggy or a kitty or a, I don't know, bunny rabbit, whatever. Again, they were amazed that the folks who had something to care for, to love, to nurture, their lifespan was much longer than those old folks who had nothing to care for. This is showing us in teaching that it's not just that you need love, you need to receive love. Folks, you were created to give love. You were created to care for. You were created to nurture. You were created to show love. And if you don't, if you don't have that expression, literally these old folks who are just dying. And again, it's like there's no disease that's hitting this lot that don't have pets and this lot. There was nothing except this intangible quality of love intangible but so tangible you know if you loved and you know if you don't and how do you scientifically measure that well not everything can can cut it in a scientific lab folks and i want to say 
The verse we are looking at is simply says, you love him. Peter is writing to a group of people, a um, number of churches, and he's defying them and he's saying, this is what I see in you. You love him. It's the great, one of the greatest compliments. And I want to just look at this, this character trait of love. And I want to say, why is loving God so important? Why is loving God so important? Firstly, in a healthy relationship, if love is shown, it is always reciprocated. If love is shown, it is always reciprocated. Jesus loves back. Jesus loves back. You know, some people think, oh, why do I need to come to church? You know, I can just worship. You know, I don't even need worship. You know, I can just kind of catch the sermon. You know, while I'm doing the dishes, I'll do SoundCloud on, you know, Tuesday evening, whatever. You are welcome to if you can't. I mean, Klingi, for example, this morning, Klingi's, she was amazing. She said, she says, Pastor, I'm working on Sunday, so I won't be at church. But she said, I have a tea break. So in tea break, I tune in. So I don't know, is Klingi there? I don't know, Heidi can't see. Is Klingi there? Hi, Klingi. <laughs> she said, I'll tune in at tea break. I don't know how long a tea break is. She said, but I can't usually catch the whole sermon. So then when I'm finished work, I go on SoundCloud and I listen to the part that I can't. Now, it's beautiful, but I'm sure Klingi finds it difficult to enter into intimate worship while she's at work. You know, she's a nurse doing her nursing things. Folks, one of the love languages, as a, our love languages in our relationship with God, is worship. How many of you can testify when through worship you love God, He loves back? I was, for a number of times in worship here, that I, I couldn't actually worship. I was just overcome by the fact that, well, for me it was those words, you love Him. I felt the Spirit of God to me just affirming His appreciation for the fact that I love Him. And I, I can't explain it. I just know that God was loving me. And I need it. I need it. I need God's love at this tender age of 53 more than ever. You don't grow, grow past or out of needing love. And if you're a believer, folks, you have full access to the throne of God. Full access. Full access to be loved by God. Paul the Apostle described in Ephesians, he said that you may know the height and depth and breadth and length, like in every dimension of this love. Have you gone as high as you can in knowing God's love? Have you gone as deep as you can in God's love? Have you gone as wide as you can? Have you gone as far as you can in God's love? There's more. There's more. The second thing, why loving God is so important. Because love drives out fear. Love drives out fear. And there's the scripture, 1 John. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he loved us first. Folks, 
We, this morning, doing worship, we were loving God. But it's always He initiated. He showed us His love and we responding. And then we respond and He loves us back even more. But this, this, this phrase, love drives out fear. Folks, today, fear is rampant in the earth today. I was listening to some of the, the speeches of high-profile business leaders at Davos, the World Economic Forum in Switzerland, happening, been happening this week. I was surprised at how much concern, they use the word concern, business leaders are having about how the world economy is looking going forward. I was like, these guys are fearful. Where are they going? Are they just going to do more economic calculations to get rid of their fear and anxiety or concerns about the future? I absolutely can see it. I get it with my intellect. But I'm not going to... I am going to my father and I am, I am saying, Father, drive, drive fear. It literally means chase. Love chases fear from my heart. I, was, uh, I bumped into a guy, and I, I may have mentioned it to you, who's, uh, and when I saw him, I, I, I know his, his daughter. I, I was officiating at his daughter's wedding. And I was asking him how she's doing, and he said, she's pregnant. But he was not happy at all about his daughter's pregnancy. He was concerned. He says, I look at what the world is, is happening in the world today. And he was, it was so sad. You know, as a dad... I think when your daughter's pregnant, that's a happy day. This father was not happy. Why? Because he was so fearful about the future and this world that he perceived this child was coming into. I was like, that, that father needs God's love to drive that fear out of his heart. It doesn't mean I'm not ignorant. I don't, it's not that I don't see that there are consequences of war in Ukraine, of you know, world pandemics. I, I see that. But I do, I cannot afford to allow that fear to cause me to cower and want to run. And ultimately, where on earth are you going to run to? Love drives out fear. Another reason why loving God is so important. And thirdly, why loving God is so important is we are very committed to whatever we love. You become like the thing you love or worship. You become like the thing you love or worship. That's why Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, that thing you are devoted to, your treasure, your heart's going to be there. So you know, you can, you can channel your heart and say, I'm going to love God. I'm going I'm to worship Him with my whole life. Folks, your, God, your life is going to be, start looking more like God because your life reflects the thing you worship. I put the EGC shells. I want to tell you an amazing story that I heard. So Pastor Steve Merrill shared this story. Um, we just had the Build Conference online, and on the Friday night, Pastor Steve Merrill shared the story. It's a story that he got from John Piper, an amazing pastor in America. John Piper's just retired after like 30, 40 years of ministry. And... Pastor Stimo was sharing about this sermon, the most, apparently, one of the most famous sermons on YouTube. He mentioned how many likes, like thousands of people have watched this sermon. 
John Piper gave it another title. It's known as the Seashell Sermon. And I want to just tell it because it comes back to this thing that I'm trying to highlight. We become like our lives reflect whatever, whatever we worship, whatever is most important to us. The thing we are going after, boy, my life looks like that. So John Piper told the Seashells sermon, and, and I actually found, a, and I listened to it, and I've also heard Steve Malt tell, tell it. I didn't write down the names of the people, and I'm not that great with names, so, so please forgive me. I remember the one person's name. So he tells the, John Piper tells the story of a missionary lady. She was from America, and she served her whole life as a missionary in Cameroon, Africa. And when she was getting into her 80s, or before, um, she had a friend who joined her on the mission field. And I just remember this friend's name was Laura. Laura had been a medical doctor in America her whole life. When Laura came to the age of retirement, early 60s, you know what Laura did? She decided to go and join her friend on the mission field. And these two ladies, from their 60s into the 80s, were visiting villages in rural Cameroon doing missionary work and medical work in the villages in rural Cameroon. And when John Piper preached this sermon, he preached the sermon in 2000, I forget the date. It was at the One Day Conference. It was called the One Day Conference. 40,000 young people were at this conference. This is where he preached the sermon. This is where he told the seashell story that I'm busy telling you now. 40,000 people, I saw, the, I saw the pictures, just crowds of people all around. It was on a field somewhere in America, Illinois or something. It's a massive stage and just people everywhere. And it was this um, one-day conference. And just three weeks, I think John Piper said, before the conference, they got the tragic news about these two 80-year-old missionaries had tragically died in a car accident. They'd been driving on some mountain pass, and while they were driving uh, around this mountain pass, the brakes on the car had failed, and the car had gone careering off this massive cliff, and both these two old ladies were instantly killed as this, cliff, uh, as this car crashed at the bottom of this, of this massive um, valley. And the news had just come of these two ladies. And John Piper said to these 40,000 young people, he said, was that a tragedy? These two old ladies who've just died and gone to glory. He said, I just recently read about another story about another American couple who were fairly wealthy, husband had done well in business, but in his early 50s, you know, my sort of age, decided, made enough money, and bought into the American dream of pursuing happiness. Remember, we spoke about it last week, and I unpacked it. I'm not going to do it again. And they bought this beautiful place down in Florida, which is very warm. It's like Durban, apparently. Down in Florida, uh, this beautiful resort complex for retired people. Although, I don't know, at 53, if you'd really qualify. But anyway, they go stay there, and... The report was describing their lives. And in the mornings, twice, twice in the week, they would go and play softball with some friends. They also had a boat, a 30-foot boat. 
Now let me say, that's not a small boat. It's probably, I don't know, maybe bigger than this building. They had a boat. And the highlight of their day was at the end of, at sunset every day, to go walk on the beach and collect shells. Now, folks, there's nothing wrong with collecting shells. Have a hobby, that's great. But that was the highlight of their day. And John Piper said this. How do you think they would feel when they get to heaven one day and they say, Lord, look at all our shells. Look at all our shells. What have you done with your life? Well, look at the amazing shells we found. And John Piper contrasted that to these old ladies in the 80s who had been faithfully and devotedly been serving God their whole lives. And John Piper asked those 40,000 people, said, don't waste your lives collecting shells. When you get to heaven, what's really going to matter? And folks, I'm telling the story because what matters depends on what you worship, what you devoted to, what you love. If you love Jesus, folks, it's going to impact your life. It's going to impact how you love your life. Now, please, if you like collecting shells, I hope my girls aren't devastated by the story. They love collecting shells. We're on the beach. We come back with buckets of shells, okay? Don't tell the, 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 the <laughs> nature conservation people, okay? But we collect shells. We like it. But it is not something that my daughters are devoted to as this is their life course. And it's a, it's a story that just made me think, what are you devoted to? My title is, Why is Loving God So Important? Folks, if you love God, your life will be important. Because you will be devoting yourself to the things that matter to God. And at the end of the day, I don't believe there's a Christian on this planet who will be regret giving themselves to things that matter to God. I'm not saying you need to become a missionary in Cameroon. If you sense called to be a teacher like Trish, folks, she is in her Cameroon. Every day she goes to the classroom. Every classroom she goes to, it's like those two old ladies visiting those villages in Cameroon. That's her calling. I'm saying stay in your sweet spot. Stay in your calling. Don't get out of it. Amen? If you love God, He's your shepherd. He will lead you into your vineyard, your field, the place he has for you. Be faithful there, and we will have no regrets when Jesus returns. Amen. We will have no regrets. I want to go on, because Peter goes on, or says something in this verse, verse 8. He says something twice, and I was quite surprised by this, and I've underlined it. He said, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Twice he says you have not seen him. And I was like, Pete, why are you emphasizing this? Until I did a little, did a little bit of digging and I did a little bit of Bible study. Folks, remember, Peter had physically seen Jesus for three years. But the last 30 years, when he wrote these words, he had not laid eyes on Jesus with these eyes. But he saw Jesus every day. He knew Jesus was with him because the Spirit of God was residing inside of him, just like you and me. You know, Jesus said, it's better for me that I go because then I'll send the helper, the parakletos, the, the one who comes alongside to help inside of us. Folks, Peter's emphasizing this. He'd been walking for 30 years, not seeing Jesus with his eyes, but seeing Jesus because the Spirit of God was inside of him. 
And I want to just look at this. In John 20, verse 29, a, a, a most memorable thing happened. They were in the upper room. No, they were, yes, they were in the upper room. Jesus had res resurrected, but had not, Thomas had not seen Jesus. And Thomas, <laughs> known as Doubting Thomas to us all, said, unless I see him, unless I put my finger in his, in his nail-scarred hands, I won't believe. He's saying, with these eyes I want to see. And wow, folks, you must watch when you pray that kind of thing. Because next thing, Jesus is in this room. Remember, the doors are locked and Jesus is there. Ho, ho! I'm telling you, I wonder what happened inside of Peter's mind, uh, Thomas's mind when that happened. Now, Peter's there. Peter's there when this happens. So when Peter's writing there about this Jesus that you love and you haven't seen, I'm sure he's thinking about this incident with Thomas, where Thomas said, unless I see, I won't believe. Jesus said these words to Thomas. Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, Thomas, do you now believe? This is the Amplified. Trust and have faith. He's asking him a question. Blessed and happy and to be envied are those who have never seen me and yet have believed and adhered to and trusted and relied on me. Do you know Jesus speaking a blessing upon you and me? 2,000 years ago, he was seeing you and me. Folks, none of us here with the physical eyes have seen Jesus. If you have, please come lay hands on me, okay? I want what you've got, okay? But folks, but Jesus said, blessed and happy and to be envied are those who have never seen me and yet have believed and adhered to and trusted and relied on me. There's a blessing of walking with spiritual eyes, folks, that Thomas didn't get. And I want to read this verse, Colossians 1 verse 15. Paul writes, He is the image of the invisible God. What we're what we writing about, he's writing here about Jesus. And it's, I'm like, sure, Paul, why are you saying he's the image of the invisible God? The firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. He's writing about Jesus. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. You see, he's emphasizing here, Paul the Apostle is emphasizing that there are visible things and invisible things in this realm. And he's talking about powers and rulers and authorities. In other places, he talks about principalities. Folks, there is a spiritual realm that is as real as little green apples. It's the realm where angels dwell. It's the realm where there are demons and various levels, etc. We're aware of it. We're not freaked out by it because we walk in divine protection. Amen. But it's a realm that's just as real as little green apples. And this is what Peter's appealing to when he says, you love him yet you haven't seen him. And I want to go to the next slide. There is a quality, equality between the believers in the present time and those who lived in the time of the incarnation. The incarnation is when Jesus walked in the flesh. For Christ to a believing soul is the same today that he was yesterday and will be forever. I want to go to Romans 15, 
And this is a very interesting scripture where Paul is writing here. And he says something in verse 21. Just click and we'll go there first. It's at the bottom of the slide. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see. And those who have not heard will understand. Folks, he's talking here about this people who don't see. Look what he says. He's quoting, actually, Paul is quoting Isaiah, and he says, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. And remember, Paul the Apostle went to Gentile nations who had not heard the gospel. This was part of his calling. This verse resonated. When he read these verses in Isaiah, he was like, that's my calling. That's what I'm called to do. I'm called to those who were not told about him, but they will see. He's using this word see over here. Now, I want to rewind because I want to rewind because he says how he gets them to see. Remember, he traveled. He was this traveling missionary. How do you get them to see? How do we see things that we cannot see? And look what he says in the beginning. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. I've underlined by what he has said and done. Folks, those two ways is what he's highlighting, is how do people see things they can't see? It's by what is said and done. Folks, what's said is what is preached. As we share the word, as we preach God, folks, your, your heart is seeing things that you didn't see before. It's a work of the Holy Spirit by the preach word. But there's done. What has he said when he says and done in verse 19? By the power of signs and miracles through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Lyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Paul is defining here that how do you fully proclaim the gospel of Christ? Well, you demonstrate what you're preaching by praying for people and trusting God for signs and miracles. When, when Trish was sharing about those stories, about praying for little kids in her class and, you know, friends who she's walking past, folks, she's preaching the gospel. Now, I'm not saying that we, call, we don't preach the gospel by other deeds, by deeds of kindness, by showing compassion. Absolutely you do. But Paul is saying, folks, this is how people are seeing because I'm preaching. I am praying and trusting God for signs, wonders, and miracles. Amen. And that's why I want to encourage you, folks, pray for people around you. You are going to be cause them to see things that they haven't seen. As you pray, as that little boy, remember what that little boy said to Trish? She said, he said, why did that happen so fast? It was something like that. Why did it happen so fast? He, that was his question. Why did the pain go away so quickly? Folks, Trish was preaching the gospel. Well, let me say, Holy Spirit was preaching the gospel to that little boy. I pray that that question would go with him like, how did the pain go so quickly? I pray that that question would lead him to Jesus. Well, Jesus is the healer. He's the one who caused the pain to go away so quickly. Isn't it beautiful? Here we sing. Paul's explaining to us how do we cause people to see. In Ezekiel 12 verse 2, this is a prophetic word that Jesus um, quoted as well. Son of man, you are living among a rebellious people. They have eyes to see, but do not see. Remember Jesus saying that? You have eyes to see, but you do not see. And ears to hear, 
but do not hear, for they are a rebellious people. If you want to know why sometimes you're not able to see, according to this verse, and what's so rebellious? You know when there's a hardness in your heart towards God, towards the things of God? There's a scary consequence. You can't see what God is doing. You can't see in the spiritual realm. You become spiritually blind or spiritually deaf. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to get there. I don't want to be there. I don't want to walk around. You, you, you know how difficult it is if you're blind and dead uh, or deaf to, to get around in the physical? And we, we're not going to mock anybody like that. But I want to say there are people who are spiritually blind and deaf. And, and it's like, just soften your heart. Soften your heart and you will be able to hear and you will be able to see. Hundreds of people, just on these notes, just click. Hundreds of people in Jesus' lifetime saw him physically, but never really saw him. They didn't get who he was. Next point, there is a seeing that is infinitely more important than seeing with the eyes. And this is what Peter's writing. He says, yet you haven't seen him, you love him. Yet you haven't seen him, you believe in him. And he says, and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Oh, it's beautiful. I want to just put this. These are words of, of, a, of a song that was written by Michael Card. Now, many of you won't remember Michael Card unless you're sort of as young as I am. Okay? Michael Card wrote these words in a beautiful song. To hear with my heart, to see with my soul, to be guided by a hand I cannot hold, to trust in a way that I cannot see. That's what faith must be. That's what faith must be. And that's the name of the song. That's what faith must be. To see, sorry, to hear with my heart, to see with my soul, to be guided by a hand I cannot hold, to trust in a way that I cannot see. That's what faith must be. And our verse, I'm just coming back to our verse. Verse, verse 8 and 9. Though you have not seen, you love Him. I sense this. I sense the Spirit of God saying, the Lord is so pleased with you that though you don't see Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him. And are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. We looked at joy last week. I, I, I wasn't going to unpack it again. But he's saying this, this loving God and believing God results in an inexpressible and glorious joy. I, I did go look at that word. It's the only time that this word occurs in the whole of the New Testament. And it's this word that words cannot express this joy. And I was like... If Peter's writing, there's a joy that words cannot express, well, that lets me off the hook in terms of trying to preach and explain to you what it is, because words cannot express. Amen? There's loving God and believing God causes a joy inside of you that I can't explain, that you can't explain. It is amazing. It's glorious. That's the word he uses. For you, verse 9, are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Folks, this salvation that we can experience when, when this earth suit is pelile, when we say, 
finito, okay? We go to heaven, but salvation doesn't start there. Peter's saying there's a salvation. We can experience the salvation now by loving God, believing God. We get a joy inside our souls that reminds us that salvation is ours, that heaven is our home, that Jesus is going to take us to the Father. Amen. It's glorious. It's glorious. And I felt I wanted to pray for you. He speaks here twice. He says, even though you have not seen him. Folks, can we do a prophetic act? And I want to close in prayer. Maybe you can stand if you don't mind standing. And I was thinking, you know, prophetic act is just an action you do that reflects a prayer of your heart, okay? And in Scripture, often the Lord asked people, you know, Moses had to throw down his staff, and there were prophetic acts done that God responded to. And I was like, How, can we maybe, you just put your, put your hand over your eyes, and, and, I, and I just want to pray. Lord, we come, and Lord, it is a reality that we have not seen with these eyes. But Lord, you instruct us in Scripture that we are not to walk by sight, but we are to walk by faith. By faith we see you, Lord. By faith we love you, Lord. By faith, Lord, there is an inexcusable indescribable and glorious joy in our hearts. Lord, we love you and we are loved by you, Lord. We can't see it with his eyes, but Lord, we know it. We know it. And so, Lord, as we're covering our eyes to represent, Lord, the limitation that we don't see as Peter did those three years walking with you, but God, we do see by faith. And so by faith, I want to I ask you, would you take your hands off your eyes and say, Lord, we do see. We do see by the Spirit of God inside of us, Lord. We do see your love, Lord. We know your love. We do believe. We adhere to and cling to you with all our heart, Lord. And I release inexpressible glorious joy Lord inexpressible glorious joy may we have more joy than we feel we are worthy of Lord than we deserve Lord Inexpre inexpressible glorious joy Lord because with our spirits we see our spirits are alive to Christ Lord our spirits see we love you Lord we believe in you Lord even though we don't see with these eyes but we see with our spirits, Lord. We see with our spirits. Thank you, Jesus. That we are counted with those believers that Peter wrote to. We have the same faith. We have the same eyes of faith. We have the same ears of faith, Lord. Let it not be said of us that we, that we see, but we do not see, Lord. We are those see with our spirits. Thank you, Jesus, for your word, Lord. Thank you for spirits that are alive to God, Lord. Eyes that see and ears that hear. 
In Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.hispeoplepmb.co.za And for more of our messages, visit our YouTube and SoundCloud channels as well as other podcast platforms. If you would like to contact us, please email us at hispeoplepmb at gmail.com or send a message to 061-452-0877. To join us for in-person services, visit us at 154 Burkett Road, Scottsville, Peter Maritzburg. We hope to see you soon. God bless you.